You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Only a human sacrifice was sufficient to pay the price for our sin. Couldn't be a goat or a bull or anything like that. You know, it had to be a human being. Jesus, the God-man. God set up a system of sacrifices that would atone for the Israelites' sin long ago. This included an innocent animal being put to death in place of a person. Pastor Danny will share today that Jesus took the place of this sacrificial animal once and for all. He came to earth and lived a perfect life, never sinning or giving into the temptation Satan tried to lure him with. He was the picture of innocence, and he was put to death in your place. Jesus' sacrifice covers your sins, if you're willing to accept it. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, with today's edition of The Living Word. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Please keep your ears open. Until I was 19 years old, I was really afraid to die. You know you don't know when you're going to die, right? You know you're going to die, but you don't know when you're going to die. You know that, right? You're going to die. Listen, there ain't nothing you can do about it, okay? And I look in the mirror every day, there's nothing I can do about it. Every time I get on an airplane, I think, oh, God, May your angels, if these wings die and these engines die, may your angels take this thing home. Now, look, until I, I was 19 years old, I was afraid to die because I'd been told as a young boy about Jesus. I believed in Jesus. I believed that he died on the cross. I believed in the gospel. I just never received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And so I knew I was going to hell. I knew. I knew that. That's why I was afraid to die. That's why you get in the car and you, you punch in that 8-track. Eight 8-track's eight a little rectangular little thing. Uh, <laughs> used to play music, and you turn the Doobie Brothers up real loud, and you take an extra sip of that beer or whatever your choice of drink is. You take an extra toke, and you go party, man, because I didn't want to think about death. I didn't want to think about partying, and I was afraid to die. I was afraid to die, and then 19 years old, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'll never forget that evening when I laid my head on the pillow, the amazing confidence that if I died in my sleep, I knew where I was going. I was going to be with Jesus. Now, I, I know I look tough, uh, but I'm a little bit wimpy. I'm, not, I'm still not afraid of death. I am a little concerned about the process. I've told the Lord for years, there's two choices. You can take your pick, Lord. I either want to die in my sleep, or I want the bomb to drop, drop right on my pointed head. The jump, bomb drops on your head. You stand before Jesus. You say, Lord, how'd I get here? What happened? He says, the bomb dropped right on your pointed head. 
I said, Lord, what about the other option of dying in my sleep? He said, well, I I thought this would be more exciting. (laughs) But ever since I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I have not been afraid to die. Now, I don't know anybody in their right mind. I'm certainly not going to hang out with somebody that says, well, I'd like to have a little pain before I go. Let's kind of prolong it. You got screws loose in your upper section there. I'm not hanging out with you. But we're all going to die. Guess what? You don't have to be afraid of death. That's why Jesus came. That's why he gave his life. That's why he shed his blood. So that you wouldn't have to be afraid of death. Because you don't know when you're going to die. Let's finish it. Verse 16. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. I'm just going to tell you quickly, Abraham's descendants are spiritual descendants he's referring to. We know that from Jesus' conversation in John chapter 8 with Jewish people. And they say, we're Abraham's descendants. We're children of Abraham. And he says, if Abraham were your father, you'd do what Abraham did. But you're trying to kill me. You're of your father, the devil. So he's talking about spiritual descendants. And you just read Romans chapter 4 and it makes it very clear. What does it mean to be a spiritual descendant of Abraham? Very quickly, God said to Abraham, through your seed, singular word, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. We know Abraham and Sarah had a miracle child, and that child, Esau, or Isaac, was a type, a type, a representation of the seed that was referred to by that singular word, Christ. Christ, Jesus Christ. And it says, when God spoke that to him, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Descendants of Abraham spiritually are just simply those who believe in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And it put your faith in Christ, the Messiah, Jesus. And Abraham looked forward, and all the descendants, spiritual descendants of Abraham, Old Covenant, look forward to the coming Messiah. We look back at a Messiah that's already come. Same faith, same way to be saved. Are you with me? Okay. Abraham's descendants. That's who he's looking to help. Verse 17, for this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest, in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Only a human sacrifice was sufficient to pay the price for our sin. Couldn't be a goat or a bull or anything like that. You know, it had to be a human being. Jesus, the God-man. He's a high priest. A priest is different from a prophet. A prophet gets God's words and says, here's what God says. Here's what God says. A priest represents God before the people. He intercedes for them. He's our great high priest, Jesus. And he paid the price for our sin. And now he wants to help us. He wants to help us. Let me read you this. I couldn't have written it better. Mercy is more than an emotion. For example, suppose you were driving in the country and came across an accident in which a victim was lying in the road with no one to assist him. You ache for the person. You feel a surge of compassion, but you do nothing and drive on. Why? Because you're unmerciful. To be merciful, one must act to alleviate another's pain. Jesus repeatedly modeled this in the Gospels when he had compassion on the hungry or the ill or the grieving and then mercy in meeting their needs. So we understand 
that in being our merciful high priest, Jesus emotionally gathers up our needs to himself, and then in mercy does something about them. This is a stupendous revelation. A God who has personal emotion at our miserable plight and then springs into action even more. Our Lord's compassion and mercy are sensitized by the fact that he was really one of us and experienced like miseries. He knows how it feels. Isaiah 53 about the Messiah says he was a man familiar with sufferings and acquainted with grief. I hope you never say to the Lord this, Lord, you really don't know what I'm going through. That is not true. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ knows more of what you're going through than you can imagine. Hebrews 4, verse 15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we were, just as we are. Yet was without sin. Yet was without sin. He never failed. He never gave in to temptation. Some people take that and twist it and think, well, if he never gave in to temptation, he doesn't understand the, the weight of what I'm experiencing. No, no, he understands that even more. You understand, it was the hostess Twinkie that's your problem. And you're saying, I don't, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat it. Oh, I feel better. Why? You just gave in to temptation and you relieved your suffering. You say, I'm not going to look at that pornography anymore. I'm not going to look at it anymore. I'm not going to look at it anymore. Oh, thank God. I'm not going to think about her anymore. I'm not going to think about her anymore. I'm not going to get into bed with her. I'm not going to commit that sexual immorality. And then all of a sudden, there you are in the bed with them, and you've relieved the suffering. Listen, Jesus Christ was tempted in every way, and he never gave in. He knows the ultimate, ultimate feeling of resistance. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweat, and the sweat was mixed with blood. It's a medical term called hematidrosis, where you're in such strain emotionally that the corpuscles begin to give way, and you actually begin to sweat blood mixed with your sweat. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to die. He didn't want to go to the cross. Father, if there's any other way, yet not my will. And he resisted, and he didn't give in. Don't ever say to God, don't ever say it. You don't know what I'm going through. He knows what you're going through. He wept, Jesus did, at the tomb of Lazarus. He knows what it is to lose somebody you love. As a human being, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Hebrews contains a unique passage that's often referred to as the Hall of Faith. This section gives you a synopsis of people who followed their Creator without knowing the end result or with having each step laid out for them. These icons of trust were definitely not without flaw. Their journeys weren't free from trials and tribulations either, but they came back to their faithful Heavenly Father time and time again, trusting that He would fulfill His promises. God used these ordinary men and women to accomplish great things in their time, and to set in motion kingdom work that would continue to change lives for countless generations to come. 
We're so glad that you joined us today to study the book of Hebrews with Pastor Danny Hodges here on The Living Word. If you missed any part of today's teaching or would like to explore more of Pastor Danny's teachings through the books of the Bible, visit ccfstpete.church and click on Sermons. You'll be directed to our YouTube page, and we'd love for you to subscribe. When you do, you'll be notified by email every time we post a new message. If you have any questions for us about what you heard today, or if you'd like us to pray for you, please email us. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that's info at ccfstpete.church. We count it as a privilege to lift our valued listeners up to the Lord in prayer. That's all we have time for today in our study of Hebrews. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue digging deeper into Scripture right here on The Living Word. The power.